We're doing a series on the life of Moses and I want to start by telling you a story this morning. <clears throat> Way back in 1998, there were forest fires and bushfires in Indonesia. And we were living in Brunei, which, were, which is in northern Borneo, which is the island just above Indonesia there. And the smoke drifted up and was all over Brunei, and we had this haze. It was so bad that we weren't supposed to go outside without wearing a mask. And then they closed the schools, and they said, look, um, you teachers, you can go off for a holiday, and we'll let you know when to come back. So we flew to Bali, which was a two-hour flight, and then we went to the island of Lombok, and then Helen got a, a phone call from the school that she was at saying, hey, you need to be back, we're opening. But my school said, hey, you can stay away. <laughs> so I stayed with our three children, and we decided that we were going to go on a, a cheap cruise from Lombok Island to Flores on the right. It would be a, a, a week's boat trip on a fairly modest sort of boat. We slept on mattresses on the deck and we would go past all these islands that were absolutely fascinating because some of them were volcanic. Uh, there was Komodo Island where they have those Komodo dragons. And then we arrived at Flores and we booked into a hotel and we said, and that was the end of the trip, we we're going to fly back to Bali. And so we checked in and we, I said to the kids, look, let's go and ring mum, let her know where we are, and then we'll go out for dinner. So we went down to Telecom, and as we're walking down the road, my daughter said, one of my daughters said to me, that lady is following us. And I thought, oh no, surely not. And, and then we get to Telecom, we go into a booth, we ring Helen, and here this woman comes right up to the door of the booth, and she's looking at our little family in this, in this booth. And so we finished the call and we found a nice little restaurant. We go in, we sit at the table. She comes and sits at the table next to us. We order food, she orders food. She eats our food. And then at the end, uh, there was a table of Australians sort of next door and, and I said, look, you guys, uh, we've got a bit of a problem here. This lady's sort of following us around. Uh, I'm going to send the kids to the toilet and then uh, I'm going to shoot through, but you talk to us to give us a few sort of minutes to get away. And so away we went. And we thought, oh, that's good. We got rid of her. Well, the next morning, she's waiting outside our hotel. And so we go for a walk around town and we look at a few different things and and she's coming with us the whole way, and, and then I'm saying to the kids, look, we, can't, we were going to stay on this island for two or three days, and I said, look, if this is going to be the case, we need to go. And so we got a bus to the airline office, and she hops on the bus, sits next to me. My kids are getting a bit concerned by this stage. <laughs> and we, we book a flight, and then we go back to the hotel, we pack up, we get a bus to the airport, she comes to the airport. And we got to the check-in area, and um, we're, we're going through. We've got our, our passports and everything. And uh, so the kids go through, I go through, and then there's this lady, the lady there. And uh, the, 
they, they say at immigration, is she with you? I said, no. And then she, she looks at me and she says, you leave me. And I said, yes, I leave you. You leave me. And then my daughter says, Dad, she's saying, you love me. I said, no, no. <laughs> well, then they put us into first class at the, the, at the terminal so that there was a door that we could lock this lady out in. So we're in this sort of first class lounge, but we see this lady looking through the door. And then finally, it's time for us to board the plane. We go out, we get on the plane, we're sitting in our seats, and suddenly we see this woman running across the tarmac towards the plane. This is a true story. <laughs> well, the point that I'm trying to make here is that everyone has a dream of a better future. I don't know whether she saw herself as a future wife or a domestic servant or, you know, here's a guy with a family and, you know, he's obviously struggling with those three kids on, her, uh, on his own, so she was going to help me. Well, last week we looked at how the Israelites failed to enter the promised land. And when God gave his judgment over them, he said, look, you are going to be banished to the wilderness, to the desert, for the next 40 years. Because you haven't trusted me, you haven't obeyed me, you haven't had faith in me. And at that point, the Israelites said, oh, look, we're terribly sorry. We made a mistake. We will go and fight them. And God said, it's too late. If you go now, you won't go with my blessing and you won't be able to defeat your enemy. But they went anyway and they were defeated. And so they were commissioned to wander around the desert for the next 40 years. And it's very important that we all examine where we're going in life. That we do have vision, goals, and strategy, just like Clint was talking about. Because in Proverbs 29 verse 18, it tells us that without vision, the people perish. Without a vision, we go nowhere. We go around and around in circles. And so what are the important things in your life? What is your vision? Has it got something to do with education, career, family, your relationship with God? Where are you wanting to be in five years' time? This brings us on to our reading from Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 1 to 2 where it tells us about the Israelites' journey in the wilderness. It says, Then we turned back and set out towards the desert, along the route to the Red Sea, which was the way back to Egypt, as the Lord had directed me. For a long time we made our way around the hill country of Seir. Then the Lord said to me, You have made your way around this hill country long enough. Now, turn north. There needed to be a change of thinking. God said, you've gone around and around this mountain long enough. 
turn around and head north. They had gone around that same mountain for 38 years. They were herding livestock and so they would go to one area and the livestock would eat the, the food, the grass, the pasture and then they'd move around and set up camp a bit further around where there was new fresh pasture and the livestock would eat that, then they would move on and they would just keep on going round and round the mountain for 38 years. And then God said, look, you've been doing it enough now. Doing the same old, same old. Making no headway. Just going around in circles. And some of us don't make a lot of progress in our lives because we don't turn around or, take, or make changes in our life. We can struggle with the same issues year after year. A man applied for a promotion in his workplace, but he was passed over for a younger person. He went to his boss and he complained and he said, but I've had 20 years of experience. His boss replied, no you haven't. You've had one year's experience 20 times. And so the key difference is whether we learn from our experiences and move forward. And so God is saying, you've been in this place of immaturity for too long. It's time to grow up. It's time to change the way you think. It's time to move forward in your life. And Romans chapter 12 verse 2 tells us that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. If we're thinking the same this year as we were last year, we're going to do the same things and we're going to get the same results. To get fresh insight, we read God's word. We listen to biblical preaching and teaching. We meditate and listen to God in prayer. But knowledge alone isn't the real meat of God's word. Because Jesus said in John 4 verse 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. It's not just a matter of knowing what to do. It's a matter of doing those things that God is telling us to do. And then he went on in verse 35 and told his disciples to open their eyes to see that the fields are ripe unto harvest. The whole reason we're on this planet is for the next life, that we can spend eternity in heaven with God and that we can invite as many people on this journey with us so that we can live forever in the presence of God. And so it's obedience to what God is saying that brings us spiritual nourishment and growth. In James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And I would ask you, what is God saying to you today? In Matthew 7, verse 26, it says, But anyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended and the floods came. And, his, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell. And great was the fall. Are you 
obeying what God is telling you to do? Are you building a solid foundation on the rock? Or are you building on sand? And there is no progress in life without facing up to the issues. You've gone around this mountain long enough. And in the Bible, a mountain represents a spiritual kingdom. Mount Seir means a shaggy male goat, but it also means the evil one. Mount Seir represents any mountain or unfaced issue in your life that resists God. People don't move forward because they don't face up to things. What is the issue in your life that you're avoiding? What is it that is stopping you from moving forward in the things of God? Is it a habit? Is it a way of thinking or relating? Or are you choosing to go your way rather than God's way? We all secretly know what our mountain, our stumbling block is because we've been around it many times already. To avoid means to turn away from facing it, to run away from the issue. It may be an issue in your marriage, it may be a repeated issue of insensitivity or conflict, or it may be something in your personal life. God is saying, you've gone around that thing for too long. It's time for you to face up to it. There are lots of ways in which we can avoid doing things. And often it's us men who are the worst at it. A key avoidance strategy is to pretend that there's no mountain out there at all. I'm going to use the names of men to help us define some of these issues that we struggle with. The first one is Danny deny it all. Now, Danny, he just denies that there's a problem. He denies that there's anything wrong. You know, when I was a boy, uh, one day after school, I was playing cricket outside a friend's house uh, on the patch of lawn next to the road. And this guy bowled a, a long hop and I gave it a smack and there was a hedge between me and the house. And the ball went through the house, through the hedge, and I heard this big smashing sound. Now, I was really scared because we didn't have a lot of money. There were six kids in our family. And, and so I just dropped the bat and I ran home. <laughs> and I sort of convinced myself it wasn't me because I hit that ball under the hedge. I didn't see it break that window. It could have been someone else that broke the window. I just denied it. And then one day I was at the park with my brother and the boy I was playing with was at the park with his brother. And he points to me and he says, that's the boy that broke our window. And my brother says, what's he talking about? I said, I don't know. Let's get out of here. <laughs> and there are guys like that, that they just put everything off. Many Christians live in a place of denial. They have problems and issues, but completely deny them. Consequently, they keep going round and round that same problem, and things don't change. Number two, we've got Patrick put it off. 
Now, Patrick is a procrastinator. I'll look into that tomorrow, he says. We'll get on to that next week, or maybe next month, or how about next year. He never gets round to doing anything. I'm just not ready for that, he keeps saying. Then we've got Murray the minimizer. It's just a small thing, he says. Don't worry about it. It's, it's really nothing. The boat's about to sink, but he says it's only a small leak. Don't worry about it. This doesn't help the situation. The problem isn't going to go away on its own. Number four is Brian blame shift. It's not my fault. Don't blame me. It's the government, the pastor, my wife, my mother-in-law, my parents, my boss. They're all causing these problems, but it's got nothing to do with me. You just don't understand how tough things have been for me lately. While we're blame shifting, we're walking around that same mountain again and again. Blame shifting disempowers us from moving forward. Jesus took our responsibility for, the sin, for our sin on the cross. He stepped out of a comfortable life to save us from sin and death. And it's only by taking responsibility that we are able to stand up and minister life to other people. We are called to make a difference. Fulfilling God's call on our life will always involve stepping outside of our comfort zone. Number five is Ron Reactor. Whenever Ron is confronted about anything, he goes berserk. He gets angry. He yells. He becomes so intimidating that you just back off to avoid the issue. Do you have problems with anger and frustration that you've never faced up to before? We can all ask ourselves, why am I reacting so strongly to this thing? Why do I get so agitated? Why am I like this? Because, you know, God sends issue after issue into the lives of people like this to really push their buttons so that they will one day get around to sorting it out. Number six is Simon Say It All. He just talks round and round the issue. He just goes on and on and on. He gives us all the history, the entire range of all the options he could take. It gets to a point where people are, are so afraid to raise the issue because once he starts, you can't stop him. Finally, we've got Harold Hope It All. He just hopes it will all go away. He's the ultimate optimist. Don't worry. Don't worry, he says. The trouble, the trouble is that issues don't just go away. They keep on reappearing. It's a bit like rust or dry, dry rot. There's no use just painting over it. You've got to dig it out. So what mountains have you been going around? God says it's time for us to move forward. We're all responsible for the issues that are stopping our progress, be it our character or our relationships. 
change your response. Say, Lord, help me change the way I think and behave. Let's read further from Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. Rise up now and cross the Arnon Gorge. See, I have given into your hand Sion, the Amorite king of Heshbon, and his country. Begin to take possession of it and engage him in battle. This very day I will begin to put the terror and fear of you on all the nations under heaven. They will hear reports of you and will tremble and will be in anguish because of you. And then in verse 32 and 33, when Sion and all his army came out to meet us in, in battle at Jahaz, the Lord our God delivered them over to us and we struck them down together with his sons and his whole army. And so it's time to make a decision. Verse 24 says, rise up now. Decide to go forward. Instead of lying down like a victim, say, I'm going to confront this thing. Begin your journey. Pull up your tent pegs. Take some action. Make some changes. I have given Sion into your hand. Sion means the stormy one. I've given the evil angry one into your hands. He's held you back in the past, but he's not going to do it anymore. Have you noticed how storms in life often arise when we're about to do a new thing? The disciples had just, said, just fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. They got into a boat and a storm blew up. Jesus had to come walking on the water to rebuke the storm. And some storms are stirred up by the evil one. And they're designed to stop us from moving forward in our lives. King Sion was the king of Heshbon, which means a mindset, a way of thinking. God said, I have already given this powerful opponent into your hands. Christ has already defeated Satan on the cross. We just have to appropriate that victory in our lives. The devil will create storms in high places to distract us because he is the king over those false mindsets which oppose the Lord. And so a key to releasing the power of God is to come into total agreement with what God is saying in his word. And that was the problem with the Israelites. Instead of believing God and obeying God, they questioned God. And so agree with what God is saying to you. Take hold of what he is saying to you. Create a channel for the power of God to flow into your life, into your circumstances, and to give you victory. Decide how to deal with the storms that surround you. Examine the thoughts that are holding you back. Desire to move forward and do what needs to be done. Confess and meditate each day on what God's word says about you. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free. 
He wants to come into our broken spirits and pour out his healing love. Deep inside, there may be something ugly that you've never really faced up to before. And so God will bring the scalpel of his love and open that wound to begin cleaning up that area. Suddenly you'll find that over the days and weeks, memories and experience, experiences flood to the surface. And as they do, we can pray, Lord, heal me of that memory, of that incident today. Lord, I forgive that person. I don't want to be bound up by this issue anymore. I want to release that person. I want to release that pattern of thinking. And the Spirit of the Lord will bring healing to us as one layer after another, like an onion, is removed. Then we suddenly start to feel different. And others begin to notice a change in us. We sense the presence of the Lord in our lives in a new and a wonderful way. And then one day we'll find that the brokenness and the rejection has gone. And that peace has come into that troubled area in our lives. Proverbs 13 verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But desire released is sweet to the soul. Don't just hope. Do something about it. Release God's purpose and desire into your heart, into your emotions, into your soul, and he will bring you his peace. Whenever our hopes are dashed, we feel sick inside. God wants to heal that hurt and sickness, to dissolve our bitterness, pain, resentment, rejection, and hurt. As he fellowships with us, our spirits are restored and made whole. Finally, in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 36, there was not one town that was too strong for us. The Lord our God gave us them all. There's no problem or issue that's too difficult for God. Stop avoiding and making excuses for your behavior. Face up to those things and ask God to help you to break free from them. It's not achieved in our own strength. It's achieved by giving the Lord permission to do a work inside of us. And so as we take communion this morning, let's confess to our Lord our weaknesses and our failings. And let's thank Jesus for sacrificing his life to break the power of sin and death. And then let's ask him, to apply his healing balm to our lives and move into those areas and cleanse and heal our lives. Let's pray. Lord, help us to turn and move forward against the things that have been restricting our lives. Help us to take hold of your promises this morning until your word breaks through in our lives. We accept your grace. We take dominion and authority over the forces of evil and desire that you rule in our lives. Lord, release your power amongst us this morning that we may be transformed by the power of your love. Amen.